0: Welcome to My Life, Chassidus Applied, episode 308. We are still haunted by the shadow of the pandemic affecting and impacting all our lives on so many levels, including on our religious level, our faith level, our day-to-day routines and activities about shul, synagogue, minyonim, and all different rituals and traditions that are so much connected to public central places like shuls and uh, schools and yeshivas and so on and yet we dig deeper as the Jewish people have always done and Hasidim in particular using Ta'dikhs as our guide to find deeper resources to find deeper strengths to be creative and innovative Because, as we know, that God doesn't give us a challenge, that we don't have the faculties and the resources to deal with. Anything I ask of you, I only ask of you that which you have the capacity and the power to deal with. God does not come with any type of overwhelming challenge with His creatures. It would simply be cruel to do something like that, to create human beings with their limitations, their mortality, their vulnerabilities, and then give them a challenge they cannot deal with. The fact that we feel sometimes overwhelmed is something we need to struggle with. This world is not an easy world, as we're all experiencing now and as we've experienced throughout history. That is why our dear hope is Mashiach comes immediately. Mashiach is not just a fantastical dream of the future. It's a product and an outgrowth of all our efforts. And our efforts will bear fruit. Every good deed, every mitzvah, every sacrifice, every effort releases divine energy, which by now has accumulated billions, if not trillions and trillions, and the synergy and the exponential impact from the beginning of time. And there comes a point where it will erupt. It will erupt in a pandemic of goodness and kindness that will transform the entire world. But it won't be this type of miracle because it came through a cumulative effort, a world that continues to become more refined and more refined until it regains its balance, its harmony, as it was in the beginning of creation. I come to my garden. My sister, my bride, the garden where I was initially present, But this time, because it came through all the hardships and integration and the internalization and all the hard work, it'll be even greater than it was in the initial Garden of Eden as it was in the time of Adam and Eve back in the beginning of time. And that's the context. And yet we go through the journey of life, the ups and downs, the twists and turns, and we have to look at the big picture because every step is a step that's a part of, and closer to, is destination. That's how we navigate. So, in that context, as an overall introduction, this is where we're at now. The age of the corona, we talked about corona as crown, as keser. Keser has a very negative side to it, as we're experiencing. But keser, the crown also has a very positive side. It's considered the highest level of the... (coughs) Excuse me. The highest level in divine, in divine manifestation, the kesa, the crown, higher than the internal and imminent spheres. And that's what we're looking for, to connect to that. Kesa is the interface, the interface between the divine levels and existence. But existence, to be an independent reality, there are the concealments, there is the dissonance, and all that follows, including a situation like we are in right now. So the disruption, the destabilization out there, that's something we don't have control over. We have control of how we navigate through it. You can have a stormy sea, but you ride the ship, and you ride through the storm and through the waves, and we hold on to the deep strengths that we gain from faith, from trust, from looking at the big picture, from our values, from the love we give, the service, the good deeds, the prayers, and the Torah. The three pillars upon which a world stands. Now you could have said, a few months ago, someone could have said, what do you mean the pillars of the world? is economy, politics, different industries. Today we see those industries, the economy, all don't, they themselves need pillars. And what are the three pillars? The three pillars, <laughs> On three pillars, the entire world rests and stands. Torah, cognitive, training and conditioning. Aveda, Ezra Aveda Shebelav, the service of the heart. Prayer, zuitfila, prayer. Emotional tr- conditioning. And the third is G'milas Chasodim. Bestowing kindness, doing acts of kindness. Action conditioning, conditioning good acts. When you do those three and you embrace them in a very deliberate way, not mechanically, that creates pillars upon which the world, the global world, and the microcosm, which is elam Katen Ze'odam, that a human being is a small universe, a universe, a microcosm, upon those three pillars rests. Well, we're now in the week of Lagbo Eimer. Monday night, Tuesday will be the 33rd day of Eimer. So we'll talk about that. We're in the week of Parshas Bahar Buchukhiysei, the last two chapters of the third book of the Torah, Leviticus VaYikra. So we'll discuss about that. How so this applied to those two timely matters, and as well as always going through different questions. Most are right now <clears throat> we're addressing are the ones connected to our period in time, which of course really touches the entire human condition because there's so many areas of life that's impacted whether it's topics we spoke about last week or the previous weeks, how we see God, how we see Torah, how do we look at loneliness, how do we look at family, it really is an opportunity to revisit and evaluate every aspect of our lives. Besides the fact that we have more time and we have more, less commuting and less traveling and so on, if at all, we also are more introspective as our institutions have paused, to some extent, sometimes more than others, different people, different levels. So all the questions about that we are challenged with, that this program has been dedicated to addressing from a Hasidist point of view, insight into the psychological, the emotional, the personal issues that each of us deals with are now all so much more pronounced. And quite obvious to me and to us is literally the hundreds and hundreds of questions that keep pouring in. And I don't think it's just questions. I think a question is also a need to reach, a need to try to resolve, to find some direction, some clarity amidst so much unknown. So I'm really honored to be able to engage in that fashion, to be able to intersect addressed concerns that all of us have, and many of you have articulated. So just a little few announcements in that regard. As always, you can submit any question totally confidentially, totally anonymously, at chassidahsupply.com, ask. You'll see the links right there. You can also access there all previous episodes, the archives. You can find the essays that have been written this year in the previous, well, not this year's contest yet. I'll mention that in a moment. Previous year's essays, contributions from people from everywhere, all walks of life, applying this to real-life situations, and many more resources. I resume my daily class in Ayin Bayes. It's now by Zoom, resumed by Zoom, and on Ayin Bayes, so you can also If you'd like the link, just send us a a text or or email and we'll send you the link. It's open to the public. It's a live Zoom class every morning, Eastern Standard Time, 9.30 a.m. On Sundays, 10.30 a.m. And more resources that you can find at chassidahsupply.com. In addition, we've been literally doing inundated and an overdrive, creating and producing programs on a daily basis we're redoing our entire calendar, entire schedule, so that will soon be up probably this week. But you can find everything at MeaningfulLife.com slash Corona. Go to our calendar. You can see the programs we did this past week. We're going to be doing this coming week. And I'll just announce a few of them. This past week, we discussed Can You Be Alone? One of the highlights. I also today actually did a class with Rabbi Yitzhi Hurwitz, California, called um, basically lessons from Pesach Sheni that are relative, relevant to our times. Yeah. and um, Distant but close, that's how we titled it. This coming week, I'll be a host at the Hatzalathon that begins Monday night and Tuesday, like BaOmer, And Wednesday, I'll be doing a few programs. One of them called Quarantined and Addicted can i break free dealing with the challenges of addiction different forms of addiction i'll also be doing one for many communities um, that, that is called quarantine like bremer and quarantine lessons we can learn from rajbi in times of upheaval and many more that you can find online as well as a daily spiritual antidote a three-minute video that is um, on all the platforms whatsapp YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you can get it by email. That literally is what the name suggests, that with all the negative energy out there, to create some positive energy of bolstering and boosting our spiritual and psychological and emotional immunity. You can easily subscribe to that. Okay. And that's just part of what we're offering. It's really meant to serve the needs of people, especially in this time when, there, when so much of our, as I said, our regular routines have been disrupted and we need many more resources than ever before. More resources than ever before. So with that, I want to also dedicate this program to all those that are in need of recovery. May they have a complete refuel shlema, quick one, and God protect everybody in this time. May this magei for this pandemic already come to an end. And we should only be left with the strengths that we learned and gained from this challenging period. Regarding the essay contest. So the essay contest, as usually, did conclude right before, a month before Pesach. However, because of the pandemic, things have slowed down, judging and so on. But I assure you, I give you my total assurance, every person's essay has been read or will be read. And we will evaluate them, and the contest will, the winners will be announced. It's just delayed. Please bear with us and hope you understand. But we respect and we value the time and effort you invested in it. So don't, don't let your heart be in any way um, disturbed by this. We will do our part. Just give us a little time. Okay. Now with that, let me see. Did I cover everything I wanted to cover as far as housekeeping goes? I believe so. hmm So with that, let's begin with Lag Ba'emer. Lag Ba'emer is a good place to begin. It's on Tuesday, Monday night, and we know it's a very special day. The Rebbe would always emphasize two main things on Lag Ba'emer. Number one, it's the day when Paschal, when the, the plague, the epidemic, that took 24,000 of Rabbi Akiva's students, Due to the fact that they did not show, behave with respect to one another, that play came to an end on Lag BaOmer, so that's a big simcha. That's what Lag BaOmer. All the restrictions that we have in the earlier days of Omer, weddings, music, stop. There are different customs after Lag BaOmer. Chabad customs it continues after Lag BaOmer, and there's another reasons to, there are reasons for that. If even if it stopped, why? But Lag BaOmer. Day of celebration. The second element is Yemsin Choseshal Rajbi. It's the, the joy and celebration of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yoy, where he explicitly asked his students in the Idra Zuta, and zayr Hazinu relates the entire the event the entire all the events that happened the day of uh, Rajbi's Histalkus on Lagba Imir, where he asked that it should be a day of simcha. He commanded with very strong terms. So ever since, that's exactly what his students, and then every generation after that, fulfilling Rajbi's request. But we see Rajbi, there were many great tanoim. Rajbi was a student of Rabbi Akiva. Kula alibad the Rabbi Akiva. The entire Tshir Shabbat, the entire altar, goes according to Rabbi Akiva. And others, Rabbi Meir, the Chacham, I mean, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbeinu Hanosi, Rabbi Yehuda Rabbeinu, Hanossi, Rabbeinu Net, yet Rajbi seems to stand out. How many do we know of a yard even, of any of the others? You can look it up, but that level? And pilgrimages in Miran, the Ariza would go there for three days every year. This year, of course, that's going to be quite limited. But that doesn't mean we don't do a spiritual pilgrimage. There's something about Rajbi and Lag The Reb, of course, instituted, based on the customs through history, the customs of what customs, to do things with children, celebrate with children, that we go out into the fields with children. And the Rebbe instituted the parade, the Lag B'eimah parade. Whenever Lag B'eimah was on a Sunday, it was a parade, Sunday, because the schools were closed. Later they had parades even during the week, but the Rebbe came out primarily on Sunday. A number of times we have the footage, the images, the videos. The Rebbe in his full glory, Hamelach Bittifarte, so Lag Imir has a very particular power, but many of us don't know what it is. It's like a mysterious day. The two items are connected to each other. And it's particularly relevant to our time. Rajbi stood out from all the other Tanoim, the other sages of his time, in the words of Rabbi Akiva's teacher, that the qualities of Rajbi outshined all others. This wasn't a competition, it's just that he had something unique. What was unique about Rajbi? So we have many stories in the Talmud, but we have stories about many different great leaders. Rajbi combined primis and nigel de He joined them together. He was, of course, a great Talmudic sage. And he was also the, essentially the father of Jewish mysticism, the author of the Zohar. He didn't write it himself. His student, Rabbi Abba, wrote it. But Rajbi was marad de primis satera*. So he combined... The soul and body, in the words of the Zoyar, Nishmoset daraisa, daraisa. He was a unifying force. Now, you could say, what, others didn't combine the two? Isn't it a body and soul? But not in a revealed way. There were many that knew the secrets, but it was somewhat two different schools. Though they both complement each other, but the involvement in the mechanics of Judaism, the body of Judaism, which was the primary study of Talmud, until this day is the primary study, was, was mainstream. And the other was Yechideh gula individuals who knew the inner dynamics, the inner workings. It would come only later, the time of Dariza, Mitzvah Ligal Zesa Chochmah, as the Altar Rebbe writes in Tanya. that Arizal said, now it's a Mitzvah to start revealing that inner wisdom. And of course, with the generations subsequent to that, finally the of Via Futsu Manasakutsah, as Mashiach told of that's when Mashiach will come. The spreading of your wellsprings, the market of the Mizrich, and then the Al Tareba and the generations afterwards, Chutsa shein Chutsa Memeno. The reasons are not necessarily here to go and elaborate, but briefly, because Primius Hatera was always the Primius, it was always the soul. But there was a time in history where you picked up the soul simply by the smell of chicken soup in your grandmother's kitchen. The insulated and pure and innocent environment for so many years was very untainted by the circular world around it. But when things changed, one of the reasons became darker, you need deeper light, you need deeper resources, as I said earlier about the pandemic. Secondly, as we get closer to Mashiach, Friday, you begin tasting of the foods of the, and of the foods of Shabbos. Teudos of Mashiach is the time of Shabbos. So Friday in the, sixth, in the sixth millennia, which we're in right now, began the revelation of Geula, and they're interconnected. When you need to dig deeper, deeper resources, you, ha- you get the of to- Mashiach to counter the deeper darkness of these light, later years. All this applies directly to us, of course. Because we're dealing with a certain dark challenge right now. But let's take it further. Rajbi, besides being that unifying force, he also we see certain distinguished qualities and virtues he had. To just mention just a few that are connected very much to healing and to challenges. So firstly, we know Rabbi Akiva, I'm sorry, Rabbi Rajbi, there was a decree by the emperor, not to study Torah, but he was teaching Torah, so he was sentenced to death, but he ran away, and lived in a cave with his son, Rabbi Loza, for 12 years. So he was quarantined. He was quarantined. What did he use that time for? To access the deepest teachings of Torah, both outer and inner dimension of Torah, the body and soul. And when he came out, was so refined, to the point that he could not even tolerate the, the mundane and petty and menial involvements of the world around them. And it says when him and Rabbi Lazar wherever they went, began to burn, physically or figuratively. So Hashem said, no, you need one more year, one more maturing year, 13th year back into the cave. And this time, whatever was afflicted, Rajbi healed. He was a healer. Because God said, "I I I don't want you to destroy the world I created. I want you to refine and elevate it. Today we see exposed suddenly the pettiness that people were involved in, the nonsense, even, superficiality of a material world. All these institutions were they necessary? Are they necessary in our lives? No, they're not fundamentally necessary for being a human being, for fulfilling your mission. They were entertaining. They were means to an end at best. But the job is not to undermine that, not to de- not to destroy it, it's to heal it. And we have then the few statements that I'll quote. Rajbi. So I mentioned healing. We have machatstivanier is my modem. Machatsti. I have struck, God said. meaning like from the word machitza, but it's also from the word an affliction. I have afflicted, v'ani erpa, and I shall heal. Simlutani Hashem rei I, God, am your healer. V'ani erpa, says the Rebbe Marash, It's a healing that's retroactive. So again, we see the concept of healing to the point that the Sidr from Dach, the Mitle Rebbe, Siddur im Dach, that's from the of the Alter Rebbe, so he uses Lag when he speaks about Lag Eid hagal hazeh, when Yaakov tells Lovon, Eid hagal, Gal is the letters lag, lamad gimel. Eid hagal hazeh, when they part ways, he says, This Gal, this mound, will be a witness about the agreement, the covenant we make. So he explains that, that lag and Gal is a type of bridge. Machatzi vani erpo. To take it further, it says in the Gemara, Sri Maimorah Chazal, Kedai Rab Shimon Lismuchalov B'Shasat Chak. It's worthwhile. It's a good idea. Worthy. Worthy. To rely on Rab on Rabbi Shimon B'Yehoi B'Shasat Chak, which means in a difficult time, in a tough time, when we feel pressured. The Munketsher, the Munketsher Rebbe, says B'Shasat is referring to the Chak of Golos. And Ashby says, lifter min adin. I'm able to free and redeem the entire world from din, from severities, from judgments. You tell me, every one of these statements is relevant this year more than ever. So Lagba emer, is something that now, every year it's relevant. But now it's so obvious. We need the healing. We need Rajbi's support to be able to free us from severities and from tchak, from pressures and difficulties. To open up doors and channels, which is what the Rajbi does. The Medjur says, Rajbi was pekudakaras. He would open the wombs of barren women, meaning he would give them a blessing. And even though they were infertile, they were blessed with children, which is essentially opening up block channels. The Rebbe one year, Lagba Emer, I think Tav Mem, said, this doesn't mean only physically, also psychologically, when parents and children have some type of rift, a block between them, so Lagba Emer Rajbi has the power to repair the rift. And there's more. I'm just giving a short taste of it. So Lagba Emer has tremendous power power of unity, the power of healing, the power of bridging, all come together and they create the blessings to overcome any challenge, including the one we're facing right now. So we can turn to Rajbi and say, says, we can rely on you. We want to rely on you. Open up new channels, bring a new healing, new blessings. Lifted, So do exactly that. Redeem us from any term of din and severities. Open up channels. So may that actually be the case. Let us make a keli alag through unity, through Avas yisrael and yisrael, love and Agdus. That was the cardinal mitzvah in the Torah. Rabbi Akiva, the teacher of Rajbi said. This is a fundamental principle of Teir. And Rajbi lived up to it, and we see in Rajbi's life, he was one of the students that remained after the epidemic, meaning that he must that he did honor that there was Avis Yisrael. He personified it. And we find indeed in Zoyar stories with Rajbi's great Avis Yisrael. His statement, Anan bichu, Anan. We, we are dependent on chvivusa, on love. All success is dependent on chvivusa, tali milsa. And he brings three psukim, all about Ava, our love of God, and two verses that talk about God's love of us. And then, of course, Rajbi's statement, when there was a, a drought, a famine. Rajbi said, Which He gam yochad. How beautiful, how uh, pleasurable, how delightful it is to see brothers sitting together. That unity, unity draws down blessings. When we're one, that's the keli. The keli, the container. The only container that truly for blessing is shalom, is complete unity. So you tell me how many lessons are there in all of these statements. To sum up, it's our avis is it's our love for each other, unconditional, living up to the standards of Rajbi. And that unity is not just among people, it's the unity in all parts of Torah, the outer dimension, the inner dimension. Same thing when we love others, you love their neshama, so, so then you can really appreciate them in ways that sometimes on a body level you can't appreciate. So Rajbi is this unifying force, the unifying of all sections of Torah, unifying of all types of Eden, and indeed you see that. That Rajbi, celebrated by everybody. That's Lagba Eimer. A little, a little taste of it. And children have particular power. Because children, Rajbi would teach, it says in Zeh, that children will learn primisatera when Mashiach comes. Nitsanim nira it's in different expressions that talk about children. Lagba Eimer, I believe it was tof Mem. Memvov. That would be 1986. We prepared a Sikha that Rebbe edited with all the details about the children's connection to Lagbaim. You can check that out. I think it's printed in probably in volume, the uh, Kutu volume either 32 or 27, probably 27. So, my friends, Lagbaim has tremendous power, I and mean, we access the schus, the different songs we sing as we honor Rajbi, that he should intervene on our behalf. And finally send us only brachas, shower us with brachas, and healing of all sorts, beginning with the virus and everything else, the fears, the unknowns, and so on. It's also the week of Pasha Bahar B'Chukosei, which is the end of Sefer Vayikra. Just one short, quick thing on Bahar B'Chukosei. So these two chapters come together, but Bukukhesai specifically has in it some of the Techacha. Not as extensive as it is in Pashraki Kisove, but you still have. You have the negative statements that when you don't read, when you read them extensively sound negative. And yet we're told they're all really brachas. So even when there's a negative virus affecting us, there's a deeper brach to be found within it. So Parashat said teaches us that secret. Connected also to Rajbi. Rajbi sent his son, Rabbi Lozul, to go get a blessing by the Chachomim in the, the West. And he went. To his shock and dismay, the words they said to him didn't sound like blessings. So he, told, he came back and told his father, they said to me horrible things. His father said, what did they say? And he started telling him. So his father said, no. These are really blessings. They're such deep blessings; they can only be expressed in a negative way. Different explanations given for this: Why did, did they have to say it in that way? Some say because they, were, they saw, foresaw certain negative things; they wanted to to uh, nullify that, so they had to use those words. But the meaning was a deeper one. This brings This week's parsha. This brings. The idea from the, from the... That's a Gemara Moid Katen. Taf uh, Ches. So Chesidus brings that Chesodim Nistarim says the Rebbe. It's deeper love. That is so deep, it can only be expressed in terms that seem negative. It's like when the Mitla Rebbe heard the Altar Rebbe say, learn, read the Torah, he only heard blessings. Because that's the premise of it. So the chapter also gives us strength to take every negative and turn it into a positive. That the only remnant from the virus should be the antibodies, the strength, the immunity that we built up, that will protect us and help us grow and thrive. Okay. So there are two questions on Lag Bahimer, Someone asked, what's the connection of all the special things that were seen on Lag B'Aimah by the Rebbe, particularly the parades and display of Jewish pride with the toichen of the day? I believe I explained it, but I'll spell it out even stronger. The parade was essentially bringing the children together. They used to go out in the feld. That was the expression. Go to the field. At times of Mitla Rebbe. The schools would take their children. They would play with Akeshas. Akashas is a bow and arrow. Different reasons for that as well. It's brought in the different Svarim. The Rebbe instituted a parade. It was a... Uh, I can say a contemporary way to bring children together from all different schools, different communities. Celebrate, celebrate, as the Rajbi asked, Simchose of his day. That's the connection. It's a celebration. And a celebration through Achdus, which is the second aspect of Lag the end of the plague that came from the opposite of unity. The Rebbe's this is essentially the theme of the Rebbe's words almost every Lag parade. Different variations, different ways, and so on. Jewish pride. So you don't need an excuse to celebrate Jewish pride, but here Rajbi represents the best of what Yiddishkeit is about. He went through great challenges and came through stronger. Came out stronger. So we teach that to the children as well. Quarantine today. Rajbi was in quarantine and came out this person who healed and corrected and repaired the world. So that's the basic uh, answer. Who was the founder of Primis HaTera, Chassidus? Rabshim Bayechoy, the Balshem or the Altareb? Well, the founder of Primis HaTera, Chassidus is the Ebrishter. There's only one Tera, and there's only one God. Moshe Kibal Tera, Messina, he received all the Tera. There are no human founders. You can associate certain teachers who perpetuated, who focused on, whose primary teachings were a certain we say Rabbi Huda Hanassi he compiled the Mishnah, but he wasn't the only one. Moshe Rabbeinu, of course, was the first conduit. Then you find in different schools of thought, Shammai and Hillel, and you have uh, different schools that Rav and Shmuel. Each one had their mastery. This one was a mastery. This one surah, in laws of what's 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 uh, what's allowed, what's not allowed this one was in financial law the comes from Hashem. in the stages of how primis atea was revealed so we know by mantana primis was. they saw all kinds of mystical sights and visions during at sinai rashbi is credited because he organized it in the book of the zayat he taught it to his students so he's called i don't want to call him the father but he's like the one of the, the not founder, but master. In Samarvov, in the Mimer of Lagbaim Tophri Samarvov, Sfartim Lakhem, he says, Lagbaim is of Because that's the day, Bikat Katir is Katana, that's the day when Rajbi was nostalgic and became connected, he said, in one knot I was bound with God, talking about his last moments. So like, Now we know there's further stages. There's a whole holistosis. If you look in the Agdom of Shamir Amunim from Rabyesiv Irgis, it's a very good introduction, the whole evolution and process of Primisateira from the time, from the beginning of time all the way to our time. But then you move forward. Fast forward to the Arizal, another great master who brought it to another level. Mitzvah legal is to reveal. And then the Baal But we say Rosh Hashanah of Chassidus, Yutaz Kislev. Sometimes it says, the Simchas of Primis Atele. So there's different words used. It's really different stages. Kabbalah, there's Chassidus, bringing kabbalah into understanding and comprehension of Chabad. So it's not a contradiction. Each one played their role. Rabbi was the founder of Chesidus Klolis, the Alter of Okay. Since we're talking about Ardus, and we discussed it last week, so here came a question. This is the question. Is it sincere or disingenuous to call for Ardus and state that it's on my terms? So this is a time where we're looking to unite. We're not looking to criticize. We're not looking to find our differences, but find things we have in common. And yet, a call for ahdus did take place by shluchim and by others, and it's very appropriate. Unity is always a source of blessing, especially when there's an epidemic, pandemic. But some people are writing to me, and I'm not even reading all the harsher, more, more critical, and even cynical statements. Yes, it's very nice people call out this until they have to do something a little different or go out of their comfort zone. So let's go to the posse. What's Is there a condition for loving another? There's no condition. And even if there's certain conditions, Al Altar and Perek Lamed Beis and Tanya, where talks about those that you're supposed to hate because of their issues, because of their cruel, weak, wickedness, the end of chapter thirty-two. He already explains that. So Avi's soul is unconditional. It never says, "I love you on my terms." Even someone who's a criminal, you're supposed to love. Even a Rosha, as the Rebbe brings in Kuntus Avi's soul from the Ramak, from other svarim. That doesn't mean you love his cruelty, his wickedness. May the sins be erased, not the sinner. Because everyone has a neshama, you're loving the neshama. Now if a person behaves in a way that the trader advocates that they need to be disciplined, that's not a contradiction. Even when you discipline them, even when you're judging them, it's in order to save. And who are we to judge altogether? It's only God that does that. So obviously sorrow is unconditional. If someone says, I love you, but here are my terms, that's not how you uh, love I love you unconditionally. Let's sit down and talk, and let's not begin with any preconceived notions. As soon as you hear terms, right away, of course, everyone skeptic and says, ah, because you want to stay in power. You want it to be on your terms. And you'll dress it up. It's not my power, it's the Rebbe's power. It's the tater's power. No one's suggesting that we break tater for our soul. That's not what we're discussing. Even though, frankly, when it comes down to case by case, sometimes not break tater, chas v'shalom, but sometimes you have to compromise and sometimes you have to be mavatar. Sometimes you have to, um, to overlook and let things pass. Not everything has to become a war. Because right away you say, I oh, was a dove." So that's why we have a teta. The Tata tells us when two people have a disagreement and they want to love each other in a kind way, no one should come with conditions. They say, let them go in front of a third objective party let it be a mediator. It doesn't have to be a dintel. And present. And if you're really sincere about avis Yisrael, listen to what the third party says. But people not necessarily trusting. Will the third party really understand? So those that are in power, they have a chazoke, they are muhzokim. Why would they want to do that? Why would they want to give up? That's what, of course, the question is. If you really want Yavis Yisrael, yes, we're going to have to look a little deeper and it can't be beginning on my terms, or on certain terms. Obviously, no one's going to say my terms. It's going to be on terms the Torah or the Rebbe established. That has to be looked at always with a little, uh, let's call it this, a little wariness, because that could have an agenda. That doesn't mean we ignore the Torah's terms or the Rebbe's terms. We need to look at it objectively. And the first thing in every MS is you need to acknowledge that you may not be objective. The other person is also not objective. Find an objective party. Okay, next question. How could we be fearless? How can we be fearless in frightening times? Hello, Rabbi Jacobson. A good zimmer to you and yours. Okay, I guess it's the beginning of summer. In today's chitas, this was written a few weeks ago, for kids, the following is written, the Rebbe's Kapitl, Dovida Melech said about that time, Zmiris hoyelichu kecha be'evis megurai. Hashem, your teda was like songs to me, brought me comfort, that means, in the place where I was afraid. Chsidis explains that Dovida Melech wasn't just saying that learning teda made him feel good. He was saying that because of what teda is, it is able to bring a person comfort in a frightening time, scary time the teter is the source of everything that happens in the world by connecting to the teter the source of even those scary things happening to him he was able to feel higher than them in a certain way and didn't need to feel afraid this writer is saying see the telam elias ofitzok hasholam Kapitel kufyates and footnotes to my modem cited in his office in the back okay thank you please address how we could be fearless in scary times by feeling higher then the scary events, and connecting to Teir in general, as Dovod HaMelech teaches. Chedesh tev, may the Roshet Tevis of the month of Eir be actualized such that the diseases I have placed on Egypt I will not place on you, for I am God, your healer. Ani Hashem Amen. Okay. Well, as long as you dwell in the world of fear, Obviously the question is a person who's trapped cannot free themselves. You've defined yourself by the fears you have. So clearly to get beyond them you say to go higher you need to connect to something that pulls you up someone throws you a rope. What is that equivalent of that in an emotional and personal psychological sense? That someone that is not trapped as you are is able to give you a hand that's, of course, what the tater does. It brings healing for that reason. That's what a rebbe does. That's what a, Rav, a mentor does. It could be a friend. It could be loved ones. So the first thing to get out of fear is you can't fight fear. You have to avoid it. Or better said, you have to rise above it. You have to transcend it. So when the Friedrich Rebbe said to his captors, The story of Yud-Bes Tammuz. This gun, this toy, could only frighten someone that has one one world and many gods, but not someone who has one God and many worlds. What was he saying? Not that he wants to, God forbid, die, but you can't frighten me because I have a lot more. It's a diversification. You put all your eggs in one material basket, and when that's taken away, what are you left with? So fear is defined by our perspectives. Introduce something new. The Mishnah says. You don't have a free person unless they're Asik and Teter. Interestingly, the Rebbe once pointed out, it doesn't say everyone who learns Teda is free. But you can't have freedom without Teda. Why? Because Tata gives you a perspective of a different, different horizon. You learn science, you learn mathematics, you learn politics, economics, literature, history, you name it. All of that is part of the world. That's part of the systems and institutions. You learn Teda. Teda is... Or there's what David calls... That lifts you up to how God sees existence. That's what we need. When you have that, that can get you out of human fright. Out of human fear. So it's two things. Connecting to God through his teda and mitzvahs. Two, actually three things. It's two, finding the rav, the mentor that can help you. And three, being of service to others. You can almost say it's teda, ved, and mil, in a way. These things give you strength to transcend. It doesn't eliminate the problem, but it transcends. In more secular, psychological terms, Viktor Frankl's logotherapy, Man's, man's search for meaning, said that those that had that extra faith, the purpose of life, the meaning in life, they didn't suffer less, but they had more tools to rise above it. Okay. A question that follows up, sim- that continues, is Bitochen. How to strengthen betochen, which is, means trust in God, when we are losing our jobs? As some Parnasseh Chizuk may be required in upcoming sessions because we know, I mean, millions of people have been laid off and who knows what's coming tomorrow, I mean, after Shabbos. God protect us all. So people are concerned for good reason. What is the correct balance between and Nishtadlus? With all these new challenges, this question looms large. The balance between trust in God and Ishtal is making an effort. If I invest more energies in my business, will I gain more profit? If my year's salary is decided on Rosh Hashanah, why work more than the bare minimum? Thank you very much for your insightful perspective. The actually, the Mephoshim and Shulchan talk about epidemics, Devira plague, which is related somewhat, speak about this. They say, what's the point of going... I'm sorry, Khesha Mishpat that talks about the din of having to husband to go inside and quarantine yourself in the time of a an epidemic. So the Mafarshim there say I think based on the Rajbash, A what difference does it make? If your life was designated Rosh Hashanah, so it's not gonna help if you quarantine yourself. It's really been determined. It makes it very clear it been determined, but it could always change. Could change for the better, could change for the worse. Ishtadlis and teva always remains, the, the Amor says not to rely on a miracle, at the time of at the pandemic. In general, in same. Chanolines. So the answer still remains the same. Yes, you may not be able to control whether your boss and your, and your uh, employer may lay you off. That's an additional challenge. But just like always we need Ishtadlis, we need Ishtadlis now too. You can't just say, since there's such an economic crisis, and people are quarantined, and so many businesses have closed, or so many businesses are out of are functioning now, I can go to sleep. No, you make efforts, be creative. Many of us are looking online how to do things. I run an organization, organizations I should say, to find creative ways to raise money, support the staff, and so on. So ishtadlis is always necessary. You may say that now we need even deeper betachen. Remember, betochen goes hand in hand. Because you trust God, that's why you're doing a You're not doing a because, oh, you know what, plan B. In case my trust doesn't work, I have a second plan. God said, The Gemara says, What's a munasitacha? That each of the six sections of the Talmud, track, six uh, stodim. So zoroim, which is planting, is connected to munas. Why? Because the one who has faith in God and, and plants. What does it have to do with faith in God? Faith in God would be things that are not bound by natural structures, by natural laws. Here you're planting. God plant the, created the land in a way that if you plant and sow the fields and then you uh, water it and so on, you can harvest. What's the, what do you need, Amunah? It says, is very simple because it's the Amunah. God made it that way. You still need God for it. He just mis- mislabished it, He manifested it in a natural structure. So it's part of betochen and amun and Hashem, faith and trust in God, that tells us, I gave you resources. That's also part of the trust. To trust the resources God gave you. So it goes hand in hand. There are times where it may be more difficult. All the Ishtadlis may not yield as it would have in the past, so we still make the effort to be more creative, more innovative. At the same time, yes, we pray to God more and we're more sincere because we see that our plans are not necessarily enough. It's not kechiv ve'etzim yadi we see today. It's not your power, your schedule. Not, you're not in control. God is in control. But it goes hand in hand with our efforts. Okay, so whatever is designated Rosh Hashanah, so first of all in Kuntur Samayi and other places, Chisidus, says you still need to pray every day to bring it down into the needs of that day and the way you want it to bring it down. Rosh Hashanah is in general a designation. And then there's a second answer. It can change. It's not etched in stone. It's not black and white. The Hashanah overall designates who will live, who will not live and the source of Pernose. Okay. Another question in the area of betochen and trust. What can we do to hold on to faith in Mashiach after so many disappointments? So many people felt this, this Pesach, Mashiach would come after all this. So, hello Rabbi. I had a question regarding Mashiach. How should I maintain the belief and feeling that Mashiach is coming today and not get burnt out by such a belief. I think we all can can relate to the following. When entering the first days, and especially the second days of Pesach, we had this feeling, I had this feeling, that Mashiach is literally going to arrive. I even wanted to push away such a feeling because I didn't want to disappoint myself. Mashiach wouldn't arrive. I was looking through the archive to see if you addressed this directly. I couldn't seem to find an episode. Can you please speak about this? Another questioner. Hi Rabbi, thanks for your consistently great classes. When this whole COVID-19 story unfolded, schools closed, countries went on lockdown, no minyanim, etc. It seems like the world was getting ready and cleaning itself for Mashiach. Ed of Pesach, the air was tangibly different. We all thought that Mashiach is coming. Then came Mashiach Suda, the last day of Pesach. We all felt the same. Alas, still nothing. It's a little bit disheartening. Why do you think Hashem and our sages made such a big thing about Mashiach? It's in our davening on many occasions, Rambam's principles of faith, countless prophecies, etc. Not to mention the Rebbe's immense koch and Mashiach, and that is imminent coming. Wouldn't it be easier not to have such great expectations and anticipations? Maybe like the Litvish Avodeh is better, And that if Mashiach comes, great. If not, we continue to serve Hassan as per usual. I'm happy for you to condense my long-winded question. Take care. And yet one more question in this uh, vein. Thank you for your weekly class. I I am one to be a strong believer. And I'm very passionate about having betochen in Hashem, trust in God. My thought process often is to think about how kind Hashem is to me and see the good that He has given me in my life, how He brought me to this place so far, etc. I like to think about the good that God does for us. During davening, when we praise Hashem and talk about how great He is, I really sense it. Nowadays, though, with this whole virus outbreak, I'm having a hard time with my belief in Hashem. In the fact that he is kind and loves us, etc. There's so much craziness going on. Too many lives taken. This quarantine is getting a bit, getting a bit much. And as much as I can tell myself it is all for the good, I just can't seem to believe the words I say in Davening. That he is a kind father, praiseworthy, etc. This is really not my nature. I love to think about how much Hashem loves us and does for us. There's just, there's just something blocking me now from really believing it. I can't convince myself he loves us. I know he does. My mind knows he does. My heart doesn't feel it. I'm not even sure what my question is. I just know that I'd like to think about Hashem in a better light and feel like I can connect to him more. And like I said, I feel like something is holding me back from that. How can I settle this all? Looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you. speaks for itself, this letter, I believe many, many people, thousands of people could have written it. And it echoes and reflects what so many of us feel. And I really appreciate your sincerity. And even the pain that you feel, you can't see how God loves us, though you believe it. And the same with the other questions about Mashiach. Look, I've always been very straight and blunt and candid and honest. And I want to say is this, we don't have an answer. We don't have a direct answer why God would take such beautiful people in this pandemic. I have looked in thousands of letters of the Rebbe, in texts before the Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, and before that, we go back thousands of years. You always come back to one thing, silence. Vayudem Aaron, Aaron is silent when his sons are killed. Shtek kachole b'machshove is told to Moshe and the angels, be silent, that's what arose in my mind when the ten martyrs were brutally massacred. Shtek, silence. That is an answer. It's an answer that we are not God and we cannot fathom God's plan. It seems actually quite logical. It's still painful because we would love to have control. We love to have an understanding. That's how we're wired. But if gods mean anything, there is a God that is a planner when he tells Eve those memorable words he says to Eve, to Job, the great sufferer. Were you there when I created heaven and earth that you asked me these questions about why the good suffer? Why there's pain and suffering in this world? What is God saying? You didn't create the heaven and earth. You're not the, big, you're not the choreographer. You're not the cosmic engineer. I'll take it a step further. Did you ask me? Why I created the world, or you only ask me when there's pain? Did you ask me why there's joy, why there's birth, why there's life, why there's laughter and happiness? No. We ask the question when we are bothered, which I understand. I'm paraphrasing. God says, I understand, I wired you that way. You cry, and I told you, a potato, you're supposed to cry and grieve. When a person dies, he says, Shiva, you don't say faith and trust. No, nothing happened. It's all for the good. But at the end of the day, there is one creator. So we de- de- coming to peace with that is very soothing, actually. It's still disturbing. It's still unsettling. But it's saying, you know what, there's a certain area. Maybe we just stop trying to understand why. Now, you could say that's the, ca- then that's the case. We become passive victims. No, no, no. There's a much bigger question to ask. Not why. But us. why? F- what for? What is it meant to teach me? What am I supposed to do about it? That's an empowering statement. Not to know why does not disempower you. It means you don't know the mysteries. As a matter of fact, it could make a lot of sense, as I said. What you have to ask yourself is what am I? I'm a partner with God. He put me on earth, He's allowing the suffering to happen around me. I believe in Mashiach. I anticipated. And I continue to believe. I'm not going to give up on my beliefs because it didn't work out exactly as I wanted. That's surrender. What does a leader do? What does a visionary do? I don't know why. You know what? But I pick myself up. I'm going to become a greater person. I will dig deeper. And even when God conceals himself from me and conceals his plans, I will still demonstrate that I will be an agent of why you sent me to this world. Because... We still are on a mission. The only thing is this mission is now a little more difficult or a lot more difficult. So no, we're not going to change our attitudes and our hopes. We're going to lower our sights. We're lower our expectations. That's what happens. That's, the, that's what happens to victims. They lower their expectations for love, for beauty, for all the great things they dreamt about, their dreams and aspirations and idealism from their young age because I've been hurt too much. Lower your expectations? No. If we learned anything from the Rebbe, he never lowers expectation once. Even when he said, I did everything, do what you can do, he was stating a fact. What do you want me to do more? Another Maimer, another Rambam, another asiche, another Rashi. He was telling us, now is time for us to act. It's not resignation. It's always coming from a powerful, strong place. So our strength doesn't weaken because we don't know. And on the contrary, it compels us in a time of war and battle like this, adversity, to dig deeper and not sink. Now you'll say, I don't have the strength, so find others that have the strength. Join with others. Commit, even when you're not in the mood. I don't have a magic pill. I don't have a trick for this. I don't have an answer why Michelle didn't come Pesach. Of course he should have come, after everything we went through everything we went through for thousands of years. What did the Rebbe say in the later years? Why didn't Mashiach not come? He said, I have a question. He didn't give some excuse and some explanation, maybe one more thing to do. I have a question. That's how we address. And there's nothing wrong to realize that faith and trust are resources. They're super rational resources. They say, yes, I don't understand the rational, but I have something to reach to that's deeper. Because at the end of the day, your soul doesn't end with your mind. Your soul ends, I would say it's endless, but it continues after your mind and beyond your mind to transcendence, to faith, to trust, to the essence, to a deeper reality that we may never understand God created logic. He's obviously beyond logic. But it's not irrational. It's not opposite of rational. It's just beyond. It's realizing and experiencing deeper things. That's what people have gone through pain and trauma. That's what they experience. Now, there's so much more to talk about, but every week I still remain backed up. I really wanted to do a whole bunch of follow-ups. I, overest- I overestimate, I underestimate how much, or overestimate how much you can do in a certain amount of time. But we will get there. We're in it together. And there's much to talk about, good things to talk about. So, I just do want to do one follow-up. I'll do, actually, I'll do, uh, let me see the follow-ups here. Yeah. Should we call the virus by, the na- by name, someone wrote. This is more common than question about whether to stop calling the virus by name, as you discussed last week. This happened unplanned in our home. We're seniors, and my husband isn't keen on remembering complicated names. So he, without really thinking about it, started calling this virus the Cooney virus. He later apologized and said he'd, he'd start calling it by its real name. But I asked him not to. Calling it the Kuni virus is far less threatening. It kind of calls to mind the old expression of cooties back in childhood. Anyone remember that? I don't, personally. And that childhood sense brings, more about, m- brings about more calm and trust. A couple of our friends started calling it the Kuni virus, too. After hearing it helps. Words have such power, and this virus sure isn't our crown. Yet it can remind us to turn to him, blessed be he, with whom our true crown rests. Thank you for reading this, Rabbi, and for all your wonderful and healing offerings. May God bless and keep you. Okay. There are a few more follow-ups. I will have to do them next week. But I do one one that I did feel I, I, uh, I, bet I have to repay it. I have to pay my debt promise I made last week. And that is the song. At the end of the program, I sang a song, Stav Yappetur. Dear Rabbi Jacobson, I first heard you more than a decade ago when you were a guest on a podcast. Recently, I've been listening to your Sunday evening podcasts and find them so heartwarming. That's this, uh, my life. I appreciate not only your very deep and rigorous intellectual background and knowledge, but almost most more importantly to me, the love and heartfelt advice you give to your listeners. I was motivated to write by this week's podcast in which you ended with a niggin from Ukraine. I don't know if I have a genetic connection to that country. I don't believe so. But the words and sounds that you sang were so soothing to me. I was deeply touched. I so appreciate the support you are giving, particularly in this difficult time of the pandemic. I consider myself spiritually connected, and I practice in the Jewish renewal format. Yet much of the advice and perspective you offer fits for me as well. Wishing you and your entire family and community all the best. Another person wrote, a friend, The singing was amazing and beautifully moving, and I noticed you too were moved. I had to shed a tear. Keep up your amazing work. You're definitely giving the Rebbe's words without compromise and without fear or intimidation. This is what the Rebbe wants and what we all need now more than ever. Thank you. And a third person writes, Do you mind singing another? Do you mind singing another song? It was very powerful last week and it gives strength in addition to all your words. So First, let me then just translate the song I did sing, "Stavyapitu." Pitu. It was difficult for me to translate last week. It was a song in Ukrainian that the Rebbe taught. Here is the loose translation. I started to drink on Friday. On Friday, I had drunk, had drunk my calf away. One must, must know how to be merry. One must must know how to talk. Oh, how to give a just reckoning for the Master, the Lord. Oh, to justify oneself. But we drink, we drink, and we revel. And we drink wine like water, and we say together, L'chaim, and you, O Lord, please hearken to us in heaven. And the second time around when you sing it, you change Friday to Shabbos, and you train my calf away to my work away. That's a translation. Obviously, it doesn't have the power of the nigan. So let's conclude with another niggin. I'll do the nigan that um, comes from my heart. Another Nigin that Rebbe taught, a song off from Shabbos, it comes from Peter Kashira, Anim Zmiris. And remember, song really has the power to lift us with its wings to an entire different, different place. Use song, it's a very powerful tool in our times.
1: Oyao, Oyao, Anim Zmiris v'shirim eroig ki yelecho nevshi zaroig o yayanim zmi Ei ki lech o nafshi sa nafshi yecham da v'tzil lo davas kol rois yideh Nafshi <Sings> yechamda Oh 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 ay, Oh, ya, ya, ay ya, 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 na ya, na ya, ya, ay ya, ya, ay ya, 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 yeah, 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 oh ya 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 na
0: This has been my life since it supplied episode three hundred and eight. Every Sunday, eight to nine PM. Everyone have a very frail khalakbayimer made this of Rajbi, the merit of Rajbi. Stand up for all of us. Protect us, heal us, and bring the gu'ula amittis v'ashlema. Be well and be strong. Thank you. This program is brought
1: to you by My Life, Hasidus Applied. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at hasidusapplied.com slash donate.